truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are here as well. We are joined by a fourth member of the program, Blaze TV's Chris Pandolfo. He'll be joining us here soon as we get going with the Dace Group. 888-933-93 is the number. 888-933-93. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email us there. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. You can also like us on Facebook. Who doesn't like us? So you can keep liking us and then maybe one day, one of those likes will record. Although I realized this week, guys, there is a certain freedom to being shadow banned on Facebook where they claim you have only gained 157 likes in four years despite being daily on one of the largest media platforms in America. And I've realized that if we're not going to get any more likes or make any money off that page, I really have to tolerate a lot less foolishness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, you know what? If we can't get the excommunications to start so that morale will improve, the Facebook bans will continue until morale improves, I've decided. I, I, there's no incentive to keep folks that are anno- annoying me around, right? We're not, we're not getting any credit for them being there. They like our page. Facebook doesn't acknowledge it. So at this point, if you annoy me, I'm probably just going to run you. You know me. I'll, I'll find a way to declare victory. In any situation. That's how I roll. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. It's a feedback Friday, so we'll get to what you've been sending us to the stevedace.com inbox uh, in recent days and weeks. You know, coming up next week, however, uh, is the time of year that we begin to uh, commemorate the solemn anniversary of 9 11. It's a moment when we reflect on those who gave their lives that day and those who would pay the ultimate sacrifice in the years to come by defending our liberties in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. 18 years later, we find ourselves seemingly in a state of permanent war. We're warned that the Islamic State is poised to make a comeback. We watch as the crescent of Iranian influence extends its long shadow. And in Afghanistan, our leaders are negotiating terms of peace with the Taliban. I want to tell you about a recent film that ties all of this together. It's called Mosul. It is the story of the last battle of the Iraq War, documenting the 2016-2017 fight against ISIS in Iraq's second largest city. Directed by former CIA officer Daniel Gabriel, Mosul is much more than a war story. It's a journey that will take you up the Tigris River into the heart of darkness of the ISIS caliphate, revealing an apocalyptic battle against two unyielding enemies, violent Islamic extremism, and the sectarian mistrust and hatred that will remain long after the politicians declare victory. It's available now on iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo, or you can visit the website www.mosul-film.com mosul-film.com and now let's get to the day's group Yes, that's the same logo, same music, everything that we just completely lifted from the McLaughlin Group. John McLaughlin has passed on now, so I I don't believe he'll mind. Uh, the Dace Group brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're thinking of taking advantage of a booming real estate market and economy, in fact, we had a good jobs report, just came out today, in fact. So if you want to take advantage of that, be warned whenever... 
the economy appears to be doing well, grifters and opportunists will attempt to take advantage. So you want to make sure that you find a real estate agent that you can trust, someone with a proven track record of success in the industry, someone whose marketing plan has more details to it than let's clean your house immaculately for another open house on Sunday, three people will attend. You could do that on your own, all right? Uh, no need to pay 8% of a commission for that. And then someone who actually returns phone calls, and then when they promise you that they'll give you that 30-minute heads up, if they've got a potential buyer in the neighborhood, they'll actually do that rather than say, hey, we're right down the street. Can we come by? If you want a real estate agent that's been vetted, that has been proven to be trustworthy, is worthy of having you as a client, then you want to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Alongside Todd, Aaron, and Chris, gentlemen, let's get to issue one. It's our weekly cavalcade of whimsy known as Bleep Democrats Say. And the weirdest thing about the Electoral College is the fact that if it wasn't specifically in the Constitution for the presidency, it would be unconstitutional. This is the hardest thing we will have done, certainly in my lifetime as a country. This is on par with winning World War II, perhaps even more challenging than that. Um, My son, Henry, who's eight years old, when I was talking to him the other night, um, he asked me, Dad, if you win and you become president, We get to live in El Paso, right? He knew because I had told him about the warming that we face that our community will be uninhabitable, will not sustain human life along this current trajectory unless something dramatically and fundamentally changes. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. In my administration, we're not going to build any new nuclear power plants. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. There are a lot of ways that we try to change our energy consumption. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. It's really difficult to drink out of a paper straw when you had, if you're just, like, if you don't gulp it down immediately, it starts to bend. Some of it is with light bulbs. Yes. And, and then, you know, the little thing catches it and then, you know. Some of it is on straws. So we got to kind of perfect that one a little bit more. Hangs on cheeseburgers, right? It's good for the environment. It's good for your health if you eat less meat. CNN Presidential Town Hall, The Climate Crisis. Golden Corral's juicy, endless sirloin and saucy St. Louis-style ribs really put the meat in Meet Me in St. Louis. Human population growth has more than doubled in the past 50 years. The planet cannot sustain this growth. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? Well, well, the answer is yes. (laughs) And the answer has everything to do with the fact that women in the United States of America, by the way, have a right to control their own bodies. Do I hear you correctly say that you have to cut your pills in half your body? We can keep that down a little bit. Right now, we're in a mode where we're, uh, I think we're thinking about it mostly through the perspective of of guilt, Uh, you know, from using a straw to eating a burger, am I part of the problem? And in a certain way, yes, but... If they fail to act as President of the United States, I am prepared to get rid of the filibuster, to pass a Green New Deal. And so we must be an international leader on these issues. In Brazil, in Guatemala, where we've helped to precipitate a drought that they have never seen before. Too often times, it's people who are poor, communities of color, who take the brunt of storms that are getting more frequent and more powerful. And so my plan actually calls for new civil rights legislation to be able to address environmental injustice. Last thing I'll say, 
that clip from Castro reminds me of one of my all-time favorite Sam Kinison observations. The the comedian from the eighties, remember him? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Move where the food is. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Don't just sit there and starve. Move where the food is. I mean, if you're if if you're living in a place where you are you are on the front lines of the Earth's dying climate. As Andrew Yang points out, get to higher ground. Move. Move where the climate's not bad. Move there. Don't just sit there and drown. Don't just sit there and fry. Move where the climate's good. Right? Could be Greenland someday. <laughs> or Alabama. <laughs> but enough about that. We're still having that conversation. Let's get to the first question. What was your favorite ride on the crazy train this week? Chris, you get to go first as our guest. Go ahead. Oh, dude, that climate town hall was amazing. This is the Democratic, the Democratic platform for 2020. We're going to ban your plastic straws. We're going to make you ban your hamburgers. Oh, and then we're going to make you pay for abortions overseas in third world countries. I mean, you, you cannot make this stuff up. Republican ad writers are watching that and they're just salivating, uh, knowing that these, this crazy, they're letting it be captured on video. If Trump, Trump doesn't show up at the first debate next October, eating a Big Mac in real time, <laughs> I don't want to live in this world anymore. I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. Oh, man. That would, uh, that would be the greatest thing ever. Uh, but but seriously, though, these people are insane. And, and what, what drives me up a wall about it, and it's fun to poke and laugh at, but they think they are serious. I saw an NBC News article that was like a – they have this section of their website they call the Think section. That's where they post all these really like supposedly big idea op-eds, right? And uh, the commentary on NBC, NBC was this was a serious and substantive policy debate. And we we're so thankful for CNN for uh, reporting this to the level for which their journalism has proven that they, they take these issues, that they take these issues seriously. Dude, it, it's insane. It's nuts. And what, it, what's the most insane part is none of these people will actually explain to you if the climate is such in such crisis, if the planet is really warming, how exactly will any of these policies stop the warming, right? If we've got a problem and you're offering solutions, the solutions ought to you know, solve the problem. But none of these policies are ever explained in a way that shows you how they're going to lower the temperature of the planet Earth. And I'll tell you why that is. It's because they can't. And so when you talk about banning hamburgers, when you talk about banning uh, plastic straws, when you talk about population control and banning gas cars and raising everybody's taxes and passing these entire Green New Deals and spending these trillions of dollars, it's all virtue signaling, man. There's nothing the government can do to change the temperature of the planet. And I think if uh, conservatives point this out, and if Trump really takes this to the, to the American people and he's like, look, there's no, there's no there there. They, they want to do all this stuff to you and it's not going to change a damn thing. Then that's a winning message for 2020. And it ought to be a winning message because, again, these people are nuts. Todd, what was your favorite? My favorite is uh, Kamala Harris when she gets the straw question. Should we ban plastic straws? She's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we should. <laughs> and because it's, I was wrong. Uh, about and then didn't she say paper straws don't yeah, work yeah. or something then, in the same clip? And she tries to walk through that. I was wrong about Kamala. She, we, I mean, she is craven. She's an opportunist. She she will cut you. But there there is 
a sane part of Kamala Harris, clearly, that is having a very hard time yielding to this nonsense. I mean, she's in the thought bubble above her head when she says that. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. She knows she has to say it. But she's thinking, I slept with Willie Brown for this? (laughs) To talk about this? It's ridiculous. She... uh, uh, You went there. You went there. Elizabeth Warren will say and do anything. Bernie Sanders will say and do any she she won't and she is clearly hamstrung by that. There's just a part of her that is still sane. And that's why that's my favorite part. Aaron. Yeah, I I don't I, we're going to be talking about the CNN climate crisis town hall here in, in just a little bit, so I don't want to harp on that too much. Um I I think it's obvious. I mean, that first clip in in, in that montage of Chris Hayes um you know Brian Regan, the comedian. I love his his sketch, "Stupid in School." He talks about some kid who uh, who who brought this life sli- almost not not life size, but this replica of of the you know of the solar uh, of the uh, of our planets, and he keeps keeps saying the big yellow one is the sun, the yellow one is the sun. That was that's what Chris Hayes was. If it's not in the const, if it wasn't in the Constitution. It wouldn't be in the. It wouldn't be constitutional. The big yellow one is this. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard said in my career, at least since I'm suspending free market principles. Mm. <clears throat> Pardon me to save the free market, and it, it might even surpass that. That's a high bar. Okay, because that's a yeah, or well, <laughs> low depending on your perspective. <laughs> All right, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, we lost some rungs in the evolutionary chart. With that observation from Chris Hayes, who uh, clearly uh, put a huge dent in uh, survival of the fittest natural selection theory uh, with with that salient observation. Let's get to our exit question on a scale of one to ten, with one being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T-level and ten being as vigorous as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. Rate this week's level of cray-cray. Aaron, you go first. 7.5. Todd. It's happening, man. It's a ten. It's a 10 That's for you. It's a 10, yeah. Wow. Chris? Honestly, just a 6.5, because if you have been paying attention to what the Democrats have been saying for the last couple of months, and they haven't really said anything new this week. They just got seven I'm hours with Chris. in prime time right. to do it. This is like, it, this, is the ma- this is Magical Mystery Tour, all right? The songs that were left over from Sgt. Pepper's, still good songs, but didn't make the cut for, for the Sgt. Pepper mm-hmm. sessions. So, you, you know, you got, you got a Penny Lane on there, you know, you got an I Am The Walrus on there, but you kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's not the best that they can do. I'm, I'm kind of with Chris on that. Can I just add a little bit of context to why I say it's Trump has had some really bad weeks and they just flat out said, hold my beer on this. I mean, really? They, well, they, you know, they, you, you know why this was a very good week for him? There's no question it was. You know why? Because other than. I'm now arguing with Fox News reporters about the the storm path in Alabama. He said like nothing all week long. Yeah. It's been nowhere to be found, man. Just just literally just disappear for the next 400 some odd days. Just disappear. Do, do it talk as little as possible, tweet even less and just give them the stage. Indeed. And then and then bask in your electoral victory in 400 some odd days. That would be my strategy. Let's get to issue 2. So let's go back to this climate summit and, and ask a question. How much of this do they really believe? 
CNN delivered what they called the Climate Crisis Town Hall this week, featuring the still myriad of presidential candidates on the Democratic side of the aisle. The event only ended up garnering about 1.1 million viewers total, according to Nielsen. The event lasted for seven hours, and nobody summed up the subject matter better than Kamala Harris. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah, and, and, and starting... And starting with what we can do on day one around public lands, right? And, um, and then there has to be legislation. But yes, and this is something I've taken on in California. I have a history of working on this issue. And to your point, um, and, you know, the, we have to just acknowledge that the residual impact of fracking is enormous in terms of the impact on the health and safety of communities. And plastic straws adapt. are a big thing right now. Yeah. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. It's really difficult to drink out of a paper straw when you had if you're just like if you don't gulp it down immediately, it starts to bend. And then, then, you know, the little thing catches it. And then, you know, so we got to kind of perfect that one a little bit more. Uh, If elected, uh, are you will you be supporting uh, change uh, in dietary guidelines? And then how you plan on implementing the changes so that people effectively change the diets? The balance that we have to strike here, frankly, is about what government can and should do around creating incentives and then banning certain behaviors. I mean, just to be very honest with you, I love cheeseburgers from time to time. Right. I mean, I, I, I just do. And, and I think that um, and, and, but there is but there has to be also what we do in terms of creating incentives that we will eat in a healthy way, that we will encourage moderation and that we will be educated about the effect of our eating habits on our environment. Guys, paper straws, <laughs> they don't work. She's right. First question, Todd, to you. How much of this stuff do you believe Kamala Harris and the rest of them? By the way, new rule on the show. Anytime one of these lefties say, you know, my small, still paste eating child was at home the other night. And had this really, you know, in between uh, booger picks, had this really profound take on the the the, the really the the prevalent geo and 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 sanctified uh, and fallopian tube esque, um, you know, uh, geopolitical balance. Know that that's a lie. Those are all lies. Their kids never say any of this stuff. Okay, we're not calling out Beto, but. I, I just want to. I just want to point that out. We're definitely not calling out better, but just a general rule. Yeah, it's a general rule. They, they all, all, a lot of them do it. They're, every one of those that's ever been tweeted has ever been a, has all been a lie. I'll go on the record with that. All right, but how much of this stuff do you guys think that was said the other night? They really believe that was in this. Cl- I mean, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, really. Look at the way they live. Look at the air travel. All of the SUVs. How much of this? You really think when she's back in Cali and stops at the Jack in the Box, she says, hey, can you hold my plastic straw? Really? How much of this stuff do you guys think they really believe? Like Pete Buttigieg is, 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 is just tearing through the food court at the Iowa, Fair, Iowa State Fair. And the other day he's in a, you know, I just really think hamburgers are killing the planet. You know, what do you have, like 12 when he was here last week? All right. How much of this do they really believe, Todd? Well, I had no idea Aaron was going to run with Morse. I hadn't seen the cheeseburger video, and I didn't know he was going to run it before I said what I said previously about Kamala, and that just reinforces it. I mean, you, the thought bubble that time is like, you white people are crazy. Have you not had a cheeseburger? How is that not delicious? She, she can't win this. It, she doesn't believe it. 
Uh, most of the people running for president don't believe it in full. They believe it on on some level, but that's not the issue. The people, the woman who asked the question about me believes it. Mm -hmm. The woman in the long gray hair who asked about, she believes it. They know their base is full of cultists, and they know those cultists are increasingly getting louder and angrier on this and all issues to the point of Antifa violence. It's something they have to feel deal with. They in no way do they think do I pl- do I try to play this game or am I the same person in the room? They they never choose the same grown up person in the room. They they have to play the game on some level. So the issue isn't really do they believe it. You, on some level, they don't believe it in full, but they have. They're they're not going to just say. I agree I've with had you. Enough. Every word. See, when I when I when I say I don't think they believe it, I'm actually I'm not attempting to let them off the hook. I think it's actually even worse that that we. I think it's even worse that it's clear they don't believe most of this stuff. Because here's why it's even worse. It it you know we 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 wondered early in this process would there be like a sister soldier moment you know mm-hmm. and for those of you that are younger there was a moment you know where in, in the 1992 presidential election where bill clinton as he was the presumptive democratic nominee wanted to prove that he was not going to get dukakis or willie horton or anything of that nature and there was a uh, this this female rapper that was part of a popular rap group at the time called public enemy and uh, and essentially she went off like antonio brown did on mike mayock the general manager of the uh, raiders the other day calling him a cracker and a whole bunch of other stuff and and you know a bunch of anti-white stuff in in rap records and bill clinton to show hey i'm a southern moderate democrat i'm one of the founding members of the dlc the democratic leadership council uh in a public forum with jesse jackson rebuked her just a cold-blooded political maneuver threw her totally under the bus and jesse jackson had that look on his face that like hillary clinton had at the convention I mean, they couldn't believe that that just happened in real time. That dude had the stones to do that, okay? And so that went down in history as a sister soldier moment. Is there a time where you send the signal that, all right, guys, we got to move beyond now. We got to win a general election here. And and this crazy crap, save that for the Cal Berkeley faculty meeting because that's not getting anybody elected here. Time for the adults to take over, right? (laughs) We've been wondering, is that event going to happen? And I think watching the way Joe Biden has behaved, Mm Mm-hmm. Where he's now, I mean, Joe Biden was for banning fracking before Kamala Harris said it the other night. He said it in the last debate. When you see the way that they threw the entire Obama legacy under the bus in the previous rounds of debates to the point that Eric Holder had to come out of whatever rock he's, is out, he's hiding and say, hey, Barack Obama was a pretty good president, guys. Any, what, they're, what they're saying to you is, I, we have to presume they know their base better than we do. We're not, we're not broadcasting to their base. We're not marketing to their base. All right. So they are, we have to presume therefore that they know their base better than us. What they're saying is that they believe their base will not tolerate any level of adulting, any level of reason, any level of rational, which was the point all along though, to have a base, you know, that, I mean, I'm flipping my own script, but they, they needed a base that they could have that would be that easily maneuvered compared to ours which is i mean you've talked about all week is you know ridiculous and terrified of its own shadow chris what are your thoughts on this oh um i think it was noteworthy that uh kamala harris told the audience at least twice that look i'm going to be honest or honestly and you know when you say that in conversation like here's my honest opinion it implies that everything else you were saying before that is not your honest opinion Mm -hmm. and i i think that speaks to exactly where the democrats are on this climate stuff 
It's kind of like GOP promises to defund Planned Parenthood. Yeah, I said that the other day. The Green New Deal is going to be the Democrats' promise to defund Planned Parenthood. They'll never do it. They'll yeah. just dangle it out there in every election cycle for the rest of our exactly. lives. Yes. And, and she and she knows this because there's another part in that clip where she's like, you know, we're, we're going to do all these things with hamburgers, and you know, there's got to be legislation too. She could have looked away, and that that was her ta- that was her tacit admission that you know, hey, we still have this thing called a constitution. I know we don't really follow most of it, but the uh, parts that are really clear is the Congress has to make laws. And usually they do that first. Right. And, you know, there's this whole House of Representatives the Democrats may control or may not control in 2020. There's a Senate they currently don't control and probably aren't going to control in 2020. And it's up for grabs whether or not they'll have the president. So even if she did win, Congress still has to pass laws. And there is no way that Congress is going to pass a law. Uh, akin to the Green New Deal, something that bans plastic straws at the federal level, something that restricts you kind of meat. The best she could do if she were president is have the Department of Health issue some guidelines to change what we put on the food pyramid, right? And then that would be the Democrats, oh, this is how we're taking care of how you're going to eat, right? Like and Michelle Obama's issue, school lunches? Yeah. Yes, yes. And they'll, maybe they'll ban a certain type of light bulb like Obama did. Right. You know, we, we saw all the environmental pop, like Obama was a really good president from their point of view on the environment. And he didn't put into place any of this stuff. And now the whole consequence is, oh, the planet's going to end in 12 years because we didn't do enough. We, what are you talking about? You guys just had eight years of a Democratic president. And uh, you it's the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And so she admits this, right? She talks about how she's going to ask president end the filibuster in the Senate, which she knows she can't do. So that's an outright lie that she's telling her voters. And so the bottom line is she's not being honest. She knows she can't get any of these policies actually enacted as president. And she's saying these things to win a primary. Yeah, I think the only truthful thing she said there was when she said she liked cheeseburgers. Aaron, you get the last word. Yeah, I believe they believe this stuff about as much as Hal Lindsey believes he knows when the world is going to end, because that's basically what this is. This is their version of, uh, in the progressive belief system, every every progressive belief system or any belief system needs both an origin story and an apocalypse. This is their apocalypse. And most of these people, I agree that they are just basically grifters because that's who mm-hmm. they believe they need to have. Um, they're, they're just peddling this because that is that is who their base is. Their base are religious people. And I don't mean that religious as in Christian. They are religious people uh, committed to the religion of progressivism, and that's what this is. This is their apocalypse story. This is not – their base – we need to stop looking at, at the base of the Democratic Party as some sort of voting block. This is a religion, and yes. they are voting for religious leaders. Yeah, that's why I have said for the last few years – we were one of the first shows to run, to point this out – the spirit of the age progressivism is the heresy of this age. It is the Arius, it's the Marcion, it's the, it's the heresy, Plagius, it is the heresy of this era. You're not dealing with a political ideology. The Democratic Party is the, what's become of it is the political manifestation of it, but that's not the core of it. The core of it is it's a spirit of the age. That's exactly what Aaron just described to you. Let's get to the exit question. If the chances of the Green New Deal ever occurring in our lifetimes... Were a journey song, which journey song would it be? A, open arms, B, separate ways, worlds apart, or C, don't stop believing. Todd? Don't stop believing. Okay. So you think there's a chance? Yeah, there's okay. a chance for all manner of chaos. Okay. chaos. Look in Todd's eyes. <laughs> Chris, go ahead. Separate, separate worlds. These people are living on a different planet. I agree with Chris. Aaron? 
Um, I'm with I'm I'm with Todd. Always, total depravity. Always dude. look. Yeah, always look for the crazy. But listen total to the, depravity listen, also happens with grifters and and opportunists as well. Keep that in mind. Always yeah. listen to the crazy voices in your head. Oh, gentlemen, if uh, most of us have tens, even hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity in our homes, it can be our savings account, uh, our retirement next nest egg, a quick cash in case of an emergency. But now imagine your equity is gone, stolen by online thieves. This is called home equity theft, and the FBI calls it one of America's fastest growing crimes because scammers know uh, and have learned that our mortgages and our financial information where our homes are concerned are kept in online databases that they can hack. And so what happens is after they do so they take out loans using your equity you may already be a victim of equity theft and not even know it no bank or identity theft program can protect you but for pennies a day home title lock does they put a firewall around your home's title online as well as the mortgage if they detect any tampering whatsoever they mobilize right away to shut it down protect your most valuable asset from home equity thieves go to hometitlelock.com and enter your address to see if you're already a victim Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. And while you're there, register now for 60 risk-free days of protection. 60 risk-free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. One more time, that's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, when we come back here, part two of the Dace Group, Congress is back in session. And we have a profound question to ask in response to that news. Why? We'll get to it next. If you're one of the millions of Americans struggling every day with what's known as chronic pain, now this is not from an injury. This is pain that comes from inflammation in the body. All right. If you're one of millions of Americans that struggle with this, I want to give you a product that I use. It's part of my workout regimen. Uh, it's part of my recovery post-workout. I use this on a daily basis. And and I heard a lot about it. You know, when I'd be a guest on shows here on The Blaze and I'd hear the host rave about it, I'm like, is it really that good? And then they offered me a chance to try it when I started hosting here on The Blaze. And yes, I can verify that it is. It's called Relief Factor. And, and, the, and the, what I love the most about Relief Factor are the top two talking points. Number one, it's 100% drug-free. Number two, it's a formula, though, devised by physicians who can prescribe drugs. And so what that tells you is they're tired of just treating symptoms with endless scripts. They want to unleash the body's God-given power to push back on inflammation. You ever wondered how those farmers back in the day worked those fields all day long? How did those guys, you know, you know, 100 years ago, stand there in one spot all day on Henry Ford's assembly lines? How did they do this stuff? Right. Well, they were better in their day and age at naturally pushing back on inflammation than we are in ours. And that's where Relief Factor comes in. Four key natural ingredients that'll help your body, I should say, win the battle against inflammation. If you want to give it a try, get the starter kit. It's only a dollar a day for three weeks. That's 20 bucks. Give it a shot. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day? Except maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Get that starter kit at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Steve Dacer along with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, Chris Pandolfo is with us for the Dace Group Roundtable. Gentlemen, let's get to issue three. Congress is coming back in session. Why? The austere institution known as the United States Congress is heading back into session 
on Monday. Here are some of the bills they'll be tracking. The Even Playing Field Act, which would mandate equal pay between women's and men's national sports teams. The Social Media Addiction Reduction Technology Act, which bans autoplay videos and endless scrolling on websites. The Climate Risk Disclosure Act, which would require all public companies to reveal their so-called climate-related risks. The One Small Step to Protect Human Heritage in Space Act, which would somehow preserve the Apollo 11 moon landing site from 50 years ago. And the Change Act, which would replace all references to illegal alien in federal laws with undocumented foreign national. In an alternate universe, we'd have a Congress working to pay down the debts and, you know, secure the border, but priorities. So, men, I'm going to take sitting around waiting for federal judges to die off the table. All right. If you if if you take that off the table, sitting around waiting for federal judges to die. What else are they going to do up there all day, Chris Pandolfo? What are they doing? What's what's going on? They're spending money. Uh, We've got a continuing resolution coming up in September that they need to pass to fund the government because they passed the budget that lays out how much they're supposed to spend. And now they actually have to pass the appropriations bill to spend it. And so that's what that's what they're going back to to uh, Washington, D.C. to accomplish. And then they're going to do that. And they're going to say, oh, we we had to do it. We had no choice. We're going to avoid default. We're going to avoid a government shutdown. And then they're going to go back home and they're going to tell each other how bad the other party is and how awful they're spending money on the things that they don't want to spend money on. You know, the Republicans want to spend money on the military. Democrats want to spend money on the social programs. And it just goes and it goes and it goes. And nothing else matters. And you know what? I don't even feel mad about it because I just saw on Twitter that the Trump campaign is selling Sharpie markers because they like the ones they used to piss off CNN this week. And that makes me feel good. And I don't really need to think about Congress. Todd, what are they doing up there? Uh, Twittering. It's going to be Twitter. It's going to be all virtue signaling. Uh, Cocaine Mitch memes. We we talk about how... uh, Twitter isn't everybody, but Twitter is Congress, and Congress is Twitter, and that's what they're going to do. I mean, we it it's going to people are going to be fixated. So this is the most expensive chat room, yes, in, in, yes. in, in human history. Is what yes, you're telling thank me. The, the the sound bites are going to be real, and they're going to be spectacular. And both sides, it's a Reddit form. And when both sides are just it's spy versus spy trying as hard as they can to outdo the other one in terms of chum in the water it's it's the circus you know what magic trick time yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) well that too (laughs) aaron i i think you guys aren't really taking this um seriously enough there's going to be some sort of uh, let me back up here remember back in uh, a, a few months ago where we uh, had Mitch McConnell out there wanting to raise the age to buy tobacco products to, what was it, 21? Yes, yes. And we commented how in the show that's kind of an old, played-out, tired trope. And I think after having some recess time to think about a new contrived controversy... A new death penalty bill? A new death... Well, see, yeah. something new, though. Yeah. We've got to have something new. A flag-burning amendment? Think no, new, okay. Steve, yeah. Right. Co- cocaine, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Bad, I'm, Steve. Yeah, I mean, Cocaine Mitch, I have confidence that he's going to come back to the, tra- the table 
with some new contrived controversy that makes him the center of attention where he can get up there and quote one of our founding fathers out of context and then make himself look like um, a badass and then team Mitch on Twitter and it'll be uh, it'll be retweeted by all the smart set because they love them some cocaine Mitch memes um, they'll tweet something out uh, about this new contrived controversy everybody's gonna love it uh, not a damn thing will change but I will be looking for whatever that is. So whether it's like, I don't know, maybe an NFL player will call out Mitch McConnell. And this will be some sort of controversy. It'll be all over CNN or MSNBC for a couple of days. And then Cocaine Mitch will come out there like the boss that he is. And, um, and really just hammer away at something. And uh, that's what people will be talking about. Also, uh, Ted Cruz is debating Alyssa Milano next week. So <laughs> there's that. Yep. Like I said, it's Twitter. Is it like a Bible verse about pearls before swine or something like that? Wasting your time. Um, I want to introduce a piece of legislation. Tell me if you guys would vote for this if you were in Congress. All right. I'm going to call it the Chris Hayes Act. <laughs> and I know you like it already. Right. So this is the Chris Hayes Act, okay? We reduce government to only a two-branch government. There is no point in having a legislative branch. We just elect executives, governors and presidents. They propose legislation, and then the courts decide whether that gets to take place or not. In other words, that we just go with the actual government we really have, gentlemen. All right? And we just get rid of state legislatures and congresses because effectively this is the government that we have, right? Um, the, the courts decide what will be the law and what will be enforced therein. Um, I'm putting forth that legislation. Would you vote for it, Todd? Would I vote for yeah, it? Yeah, as a, as a means of, of cutting government. Uh, I'm sorry, waste Fraud, fraud well, and abuse. I wouldn't vote for it, but I would applaud its approval because you are understanding the lay of the land. And who on Twitter has been more successful than any other entity uh, in recent memory? Who's your favorite because of how they've uh, upset all the right people? The Babylon Bee. The B. Babylon Bee. And what you're saying is, yes. but this, you would be doing a Babylon being of, yeah. in Congress. I, I, so I totally second your notion. I think I could get Thomas Massey to co-sponsor it for me. What do you think, Aaron? Would you vote for it? Well, yes, I'd probably, if I were a member of Congress, do you know how I'd vote on this, Steve? Present? Yes. <laughs> the most millennial vote ever? Yes. yes. Actually, you know what would really happen on this piece of legislation? It would pass and then the courts would rule it unconstitutional. <laughs> <laughs> you know that would happen. That's crazy. Is, is this that is this that scene of uh, Rand Paul running out of the room when the dreamer comes up to Steve King? Yeah. yeah. Again, Chris, would you vote for this? So uh, I wouldn't, but I, I'm taking this way too seriously. You know, you're describing actually the type of government that Woodrow Wilson used to write about, and, when, and this is when he's laying out what is progressivism, what is progress, what are we trying to do to the government to change it from the founders' design. Because the founder's design doesn't work anymore. 
You see, we are more enlightened now than they were, and we have this dirty old constitution that doesn't work for the complex problems that modern society faces. And so we need to we need to stop thinking of it as a Newtonian document, right? Like it has these mechanics, it has these checks and balances that work together and work against each other and keep the government from doing things. No, 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 no. It's not a machine. Our constitution needs to obey Darwinian principles. It needs to evolve. It's a living, breathing thing. And this will allow us to adapt to our modern uh, problems and to try and solve these problems. And so when you think of government in the way that we think of administration, is we really need to separate government from politics. And we'll do this by taking the legislative and executive power out of the hands of elected officials and giving them to administrative experts. And the administrative experts, of course, run all the government agencies and the mm-hmm. alphabet soups, and they're directed by the president. And the president is somebody who is the only official elected nationally. So he embodies the national will. And that really sets the tone for what the legislative mandate is of the people. And so Congress is just there to basically give the executive the authority to do all the things that the people want him to do. And they really don't matter anymore. And it's that scheme of government that we've been using for 100 years that has led us into the situation that we find ourselves in today. Well said. Exit question. Which of these activities is even more pointless than Congress? A, trying to explain physics to a maggot. B, denying the greatness of pumpkin spice. Or C, believing they won't ruin the Marvel Cinematic Universe with political correctness. Which one is even more pointless than Congress? Todd. Well, if you work for this show, it's B. Uh, For everybody else, it's C. Chris? C, I don't work for you. Aaron? Yes, with the exception of B. <laughs> Issue four. Pumpkin spice all the things. Like I said. <laughs> uh, there has to be a line somewhere. Did we find it? You asked for it, Dace. You got it. It's nice knowing you, Aaron. <laughs> all the goodwill with yesterday's montage that I had built up, it's all gone. <laughs> we apologize to all the males in the audience who are now discovering how low Lindsey Graham's T level really is. Even when I was, how old were we, Steve, when that video was out? Uh, that came out like 85, 86. Even then, I'm thinking, dude, how is that voice coming out of that dude? Yes. I'm going to ask my first question anyway. I'm carrying on. I'm undaunted. All right? I am finishing the pumpkin spice race. Oh, we know. I'm finishing the race. All right? We know. What is something that hasn't been made better by pumpkin spice yet that you would like to see pumpkin spiced? Aaron. Cyanide. <laughs> Sweet death. <laughs> An orange pumpkin spice. Sweet meteor of death. It's landfall. <laughs> this is the best smelling apocalypse ever. Sponsored by Yankee Candle, the end of the world. <laughs> Todd, what would you uh, like to see? <laughs> it's pumpkin spice that hasn't been pumpkin pumpkin spiced yet. Uh the the whiff 
of the gunpowder that comes out of the firing oh, squad yeah. at close range. If it, that last smell you get is pumpkin spice. <laughs> pumpkin, pumpkin spice, capital punishment. Nice. Yeah. I thought there'd be like some kind of ritual, like a pumpkin spice last rites, right? And uh, well, actually, you know, it's the Orthodox. It's the Greek Orthodox that no, wave we the, got it. the incense. You guys do that too. Of course okay. we do. Yes. So yeah, I mean, some we were first. The pumpkin spice Don't, incense. What, you get to this stuff, and we were first. That's right. I'm sorry. They're the break off. My bad. All right. You know, like somebody sent me uh, pumpkin spice communion wafers. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what I don't know what your you know uh, liturgy says, but mine's you know second hesitations three sixteen. Uh, pumpkin spice your communion and be especially holy. That's what it says, uh, you know, in our liturgy. Uh, Chris, what would you like to see pumpkin spiced? Uh, Congress. (laughs) (laughs) He gets it. (laughs) Be better than Hillary, that's for sure. (laughs) All right, that was good Congress. All right, predictions. Chris, I'll start with you. Go ahead. Uh, the world will not, in fact, end in 12 years, despite all the hysteria that we saw throughout the rest of the week. Or at least not from anything uh, climate related. Well, at least not from anything we do, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a way, good way of putting it. Aaron, your prediction this week. By the end of this month, September, two of the following three presidential candidates will drop out from the race. Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, or Pete Buttigieg. Hmm. What do you think, Todd? Um, this You're is on a, the Pete Buttigieg bandwagon, man. What do you think? Uh, the logic of my Kamala Harris is applying to this as well. I, I, I think Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. I really do. You do. You do. I do. You really do. I, I'm. St- it's a crazy voice in my head, and I'm listening to it. I, I just they they. they in, I said it a, a couple weeks. The intersection. Does it do this a lot when the, it talks yeah, in your the, head? The intersectionality <laughs> is only a means. To an end. Ultimately, it's about uh, the chaos that comes from breaking the stained glass windows. The true believer at the end. And it's it's Bernie Sanders. Is that your prediction for this week? It is. That Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. It is. Huh. All right. Iconoclasm, man. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't think he's going to be their nominee. Um, I'm going to predict an all Pennsylvania Super Bowl. Uh, and I've, I've actually... One of the uh, props that I have this year is the Steelers twenty to one to win the Super Bowl. What I love about the fact, of, what I love about the Steelers this year is you're hearing nothing, man. Nothing. It's like they didn't have a training camp. Did they play a preseason game? You yeah, know? just one that yeah, I know. of. Yeah, no drama, none. And that's usually when they're at their best. Didn't make the playoffs last year, so I'm going to go with two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Actually, no, the Eagles did make it because they beat the Bears, right? I forgot about that. I'm going to go with the Eagles and the Steelers to play uh, in this year's Super Bowl. Your thoughts on that, gentlemen? I love the Steelers pick. I mean, I, I've always liked Mike Tomlin. He, he just seems to be a guy I'd want to play for, and he's got that look in his eye anyway. But now that look in his eye seems to speak to me like, oh, I, I ain't going down like that. I mean, I ain't Antonio Brown. I'm going to live through this, and I will rise like the Phoenix. What do you think, Chris? What do you think my Super Bowl pick? Dude, dude, whoever beats the Patriots, just I'm, I'm on that team. I, I can't stand another day in the office with Rob, you know, with seven <laughs> rings. He does. Yeah, you know, we had a fantasy draft here at the Blaze, and I think he drafted all Patriots. Yep. Uh, I mean, it was. 
It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, it, it, it was. At first, I was appalled by the level of Homerism. But similar to you guys' thoughts on me with pumpkin spice, when we got into oh, like yeah. round 11, and he's grabbing, and, and somebody grabbed Jacoby Myers, this rookie undrafted free agent receiver that lit up their training camp. When somebody drafted this Jacoby Myers guy in like the 11th or 12th round, and he lost his poop in the chat, okay? <laughs> that, that I, I, I turned from being appalled to a certain level of respect at just how far he was oh, yeah. willing to carry this to the very end. By the way, speaking of pumpkin spice, <laughs> pumpkin spice Kit Kats are the truth, bro. Those are the truth. Noah was, and, and my kids are kind of at the point with me and pumpkin spice that you guys are. Mm. God bless them. And Noah, Noah even took some to school today. All right. Everybody was impressed. It, I mean, the pumpkin spice Kit Kats, I would recommend them. You'd like them. You like pumpkin pie, right? I, I've said. Yeah, you would. But that's where it you, can You would stop. like them. You would like them. You would like them. It's fine right there. Pumpkin spice Kit Kats, Chris. Yes or no? I'd try them. They're good. You should definitely try them. Are they better than regular Kit Kats? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Is everything better? Well, everything's better with pumpkin e- spice. Everything is. Everything. Everything is. Tell me what would tell me what would be worsened by pumpkin spice. Hot dogs. No, nothing. Nothing would be you know, worsened is the answer. You are. Nothing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and on that note, Chris, we'll see you later on, man. Thanks for joining us, okay? Thanks for having me on. You bet. We'll come back hour number two, and we've got Feedback Friday next. Stay tuned. And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here, too. If you are listening today uh, via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be very, very grateful if you chose to do that. The reason why is because the more of those we accumulate, the more the algorithms that our that really are our benevolent uh, or malevolent, depending on where they come down on you on a given day, uh, that really are the overlords in our line of work, uh, will help us to find more people like you, the more of you that seem to like us. And then the more likely we are to get to continue to have our phony baloney jobs, which we would all, I think, appreciate that. All right, so thousands of you have left us five-star reviews already. Please keep them coming. You might be thinking to yourself, I don't like this show. We would never ask you to lie. But if you just kind of like it, if you wouldn't mind embellishing all the more, we would appreciate that. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We're going to get to Feedback Friday now, brought to you by RidUZone. If you're wondering, man, I am working out. I'm trying here, but why am I not making the progress that I would like? Well, uh, it's, it's because sometimes uh, it, we can't control our cravings, our portion sizes, because there's a molecule in the body called OEA that sends a signal from the gut to the brain to let the brain know when the belly is full for various reasons, sometimes self-induced because we just ran that red light so many times I thought 
what's the point? Uh, but uh, others, just because that just happens sometimes east of Eden. Things in the body don't work the way they're supposed to. That's where Riduzone comes in. What Riduzone is, is your OEA supplement. FDA accepted. It's not loaded with chemicals and stimulants and caffeine. It's just putting that OEA back in the body so that your body knows that you're done eating to help give you that added extra boost to control your portion sizes and cravings. If you want to give this a shot right now, they're offering you 30% off a three-month supply when you use My Name Steve as a promo code on their website. 30% off a three-month supply with promo code Steve at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. All right, let's get to it. Feedback Friday. Uh, we respond to some of your responses to us. These are notes, texts, tweets. Well, not texts, but notes, tweets, Facebook messages that you've sent to us at steve at stevedace.com or on Facebook or at Steve Day Show on Twitter. Let's begin with this note from Everett, who asks, how do we, as conservatives, balance our love for liberty with our duty to conserve traditional values? On my conservative side, I would like to execute all murderers and rapists. And then I'd like to ban gay marriage, cigarettes, alcohol, porn, etc. But on my libertarian side, my liberty side, I just want to get out of people's lives and let them do it basically whatever they want, as long as they don't harm someone else. I'm still unsure of where I stand on repealing things like seatbelt laws and legalizing drugs and prostitution. My conservative side screams, absolutely not. But my libertarian side says, hey, it's a free country. Not all sins are illegal, like lying or being disrespectful to your parents, etc. I don't know where I stand on these issues because I don't know if we should be banning sin or allowing freedom. Everett, that's a great question. And the reason why you're confused is because though it is a great question, my friend, it's the wrong one. See, when you, when you frame the conversation this way, this is where there's going to be a conflict and it's going to be very difficult to navigate. In fact, it'll be downright impossible, right? Because if, if permitting freedom is the goal, then you're likely going to let and incentivize people to do things that will uh, indulge their sinful natures. But if, if, if banning sin is the goal, then you're going to see another form of a monstrous government that is capable of all of the exact same sort of tyrannies that the statists on the left want to perform. If you look through the long arc of human history, you're going to find an interesting trend. Whenever the church or the state has exceeded its divinely appointed sphere of authority in a culture, there's been tyranny every single time. Every single time. When either one of these two institutions gets outside of its jurisdictional, its divinely appointed jurisdictional authority, you're going to get tyranny. You're going to get an inquisition when that happens. It might be from someone in a, in a priestly robe. It, it might be from, some, from someone in a three-piece suit with a government badge. But you're going to get an inquisition every time one of these entities 
exceeds its earthly authority. And when our founders looked at the long arc of human history, they saw this exact same trend. That's why they didn't frame the argument this way. They framed the argument around the word rights. And then around where do our rights come from? You're, you're hovering around the target when you point out that government doesn't punish every sin. You're right. Why? Because some of those sins are outside of its jurisdictional authority to do so. Well, for example, you mentioned a child being disrespectful to his or her parents. Who is more likely going to be a better enforcement mechanism for such a sin? Dad breaking his foot off in uh, said child's backside or a government bureaucrat? Well, we all know the answer to that, okay? Well, you all know the answer to that. There are sectors of the culture today that don't know this answer any longer, but you all know this. But we got to get our stuff down before we start engaging them, which is kind of what I hear you, you know, that's really the question you're asking. How do we nail down where we're coming from before we try to engage the statists? Okay. So the, the debate isn't about freedom and sin on a civic level, right? On the civic level, it's about what do you have a right to do and where do your rights come from? Okay. The hinge point of American exceptionalism is the notion that rights come from God and not government. If you take that away, you take away the exceptionalism of America with it. And America just becomes like any other, any other, any other culture, any other form of government. Government grants rights and therefore can take them away. This makes rights arbitrary, capricious. You're one election away from losing your rights. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That word there is key. It means pre-existent. Now, pre-existent where? Right? Inalienable as a word does not necessarily mean pre-existent from God. It just means it's a pre-existent state. That's what the word means. Which means we now need to clarify pre-existent where. That same document tells us, okay? When it references the laws of nature and nature's God. When it, appro- when, when it appeals to the, the, the supreme ruler of the universe. When it invokes um, divine protection and accountability. And so that, that adds the context that we as a people, well, we may not believe that as a people anymore, but the legacy that we were handed as we as a people, or we the people, the legacy we were handed is that rights come from God. And that the government's job, therefore, is to protect and defend those God-given rights. And that's its really its only job. You, therefore cannot use your liberty to violate the God-given rights of another. And what is a right? 
A right is something that I, because we believe in inalienable rights, it's the preexistent. Anything that requires consent from another party is not a right. It's not a right. I've pointed this out in the past when the marriage battle was waging hot in the culture. The notion that I have a right to marry whom I want. No, you don't. Because you, you need consent from the other party. That's a contract or a covenant. Another fancy term for an especially important contract. So rights are the things you have endowed to you. So for example, Everett, if I grab, if I find you out on the street, grab a pillow, pin you down on the ground and attempt to suffocate you with that pillow and get in the way of you accessing the oxygen that your creator has put into the atmosphere. What am I guilty of, guys? Murder. Murder. Because I'm denying your right to what? Life. Life. Would you need, do you need consent from me to have your right to life? No. No. No, I can't grant that which I don't, I'm not empowered to give. Nor can I take it away. So your freedom ends at, well, the first stage of it ends at the stage of, am I denying you your God-given rights? So if you look at the issue of gay marriage, for example, when we had both um, uh, the, the, the marriage rulings from the U.S. Supreme Court, how many people were in prison at that point in time for violating any of the 31 state constitutions? If they were married to their same-sex partner, how many people were imprisoned? None. Really low. None were. And when when the Supreme Court set the stage for this with Lawrence v. Texas, where they where they they tried to get rid of the remaining sodomy laws, how many people were in prison in America for violating sodomy laws? It's a similarly low, low number. All right. The reason we and I say this as somebody who is involved in these causes, the number one reason that we, well, they're they're really number two main reasons. The two main reasons that we were actively attempting to head off this cultural devolution at the past by defining marriage in in state constitutions, number one is because if you look at any socioeconomic study, the higher the marriage rate in a culture and the longer that marriage rate between those that are married sustains itself. The better off that culture is in terms of crime rate, literacy rate, the children are, et cetera. All right, there's a socioeconomic cost, number one. And number two, we also understood that the next stage would be to then go after and attack the religious freedom of those whose beliefs say this behavior is immoral. And so while... There was nobody being hauled into court. Hey, I, my, I saw my neighbor over here gay marriaging and I'm going to call up the state. Somebody arrest these people and do something. Nobody was doing that 15 years ago. The minute they got the perceived right to marry from the state, what did they start doing? He's not baking my cake. They're not giving me my flowers because they took it as permission to impose on your God-given rights. The question in our culture is not the the way we have cracked the code. How did American accept? And and, and we're not perfect. We've had slavery. Um, You know, uh, Betsy Ross, when she was making her flag, that's not politically correct. She couldn't engage in a contract in any of the 13 colonies. She was a second class citizen as a female. We're not perfect. I don't feel the need to hide from America's past. 
I, I think I think the sins of America's past and the way we've overcome them as a people actually speak to our exceptionalism. I don't feel a need to reconstruct, uh, you know, nostalgia from the right any more than I put up with it, the deconstruction of, of rewriting history from the left. Our history is just fine the way it is, warts and all. It speaks to our providential nature, the fact that we have made some colossal mistakes and still been the greatest country on earth. It doesn't detract from it, in my view. But the way our, our founders understand, understand these are European men. Fresh out of an era that in some places actually wasn't quite over yet, but fresh out of an era where they were only one or two generations, if that, away from their granddad sitting him on the knee and saying, son, let me tell you about the time we Protestants went out there and killed all the Catholics. Or son, let me tell you about the time we Catholics went out there and, uh, and, and, and uh, slaughtered all the Protestants. They understood what this level of sectarianism could do. They understood the, what this level of religious commitment could do. I mean, they were born of an age where the two most important events in the world that they inherited as a generation were the Protestant Reformation and the Renaissance. So they got it. They totally understood this. And so how do we, how do we give people who are not basically good, who are prone to sin, how do we give them freedom? We don't. They realized the best answer to this question was not to answer it, that they don't give them freedom, that, that men aren't accountable to one another ultimately, but to God. Because someone, if, you, if we're accountable to somebody else in the flesh, we're, we're eventually going to run into somebody guilty of the exact same sin or crime they want to punish us for. And then we're going to say, well, they did it. Why can't I? And so that's why they created a limited government predicated on not a question of freedom or sin, but a question of rights. And then after they ratified the Constitution, they, or they then amended it 10 times. And they called those amendments what? The Bill of Freedoms? The Bills of Sins You Can't Do? Nope. They called it the Bill of Rights. My friend... You're having the wrong conversation. You're asking the right questions, but you're having the wrong argument. It's not a question of freedom and sin. It's a question of rights. What are your rights and where do they come from? Do I have a right to, in, to, to do that which will violate your God-given rights? No, I don't. Now, that's not going to cover every crime and every sin, obviously. You start getting into things like prostitution, drugs, things where you as an individual now consent to forsake your God-given rights. And that's now where we start getting into contracts. And that's places where governments regulate. And people are going to have different opinions of where and how far government should go into those areas. I have my own opinions on those, and you could ask me all of those things on an individual level. For example, I think it's a stupid idea for a state government to ratify drug use or prostitution. Why? Because they're going to get stuck with the societal tab for what will happen when they do. 
they're 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 gonna they're gonna they're gonna pay the the price for unleashing this for the divorces, the families that are destroyed, the lives that are destroyed, the human capital and toll that takes place. They'll be asked to pay the freight for it. But that's a separate conversation than the macro one we're having. We got to get this one right before we start having that one. Because we got all kinds of people asserting rights they don't have. No, you don't have the right to have sex with whomever you want. You don't. Why? Because what does sex require? Two people. Yep, which means you need what from the other? Consent. Consent. So it's not a right. You don't have a right to have sex. You don't have a right to marry. Anything that requires consent from another party is not a right. Your founders didn't say you had a right to purchase firearms. They said you had a right to keep and bear arms. Because to say you had a right to purchase something, it's similar to what the left says about health care. I have a right to health care. Well, that would mean, therefore, I have, a, I have a right to walk into the drugstore and just grab medicine when I need it. I don't have to buy it. I have a right to just take it. If I have a right to it, why am I buying it? Anything that requires consent is not a right. Anything. Anything that violates the God-given rights of someone else, you don't have a right to do. So, if you're a Chad Felix Green, who's a prominent, increasingly prominent, openly gay, conservative writer, who's married in his eyes, to his uh, same-sex mate. If you're a Dave Rubin, who's going to be joining us here soon at The Blaze. If you are willing to not violate my God-given rights, I won't violate yours. I don't think you have a God-given right to a same-sex marriage or a heterosexual one. But as long as you're not willing to violate my God-given rights, to worship and follow my creator as he intended, that is a God-given right. No man can come between that. The veil was torn. We are allowed to boldly approach the throne of grace. No man, no system, no church, no ecclesiology can come between you and an individual relationship with your creator. That's why we also value individual rights in America and not corporate rights or civil rights or group rights, individual rights. Why? Because... If God deems you worthy enough of having an individual relationship with you, then so should the lesser magistrate here, the state. As long as you don't violate my God-given rights. Now, I'm not changing my opinion on your behavior. And I don't demand that you change my opinion under my religious beliefs or change your opinion to mine. I'll persuade you if you give me the chance. But this is how we find accommodation in a pluralistic society. When we take the conversation away from freedom and sin and we in the civic arena and we move it to rights. Where do our rights come from? God. What do I have a right to do? Well, at, your first step is nothing that violates the God-given rights of somebody else. Unfortunately, the Chad Felix Greens and Dave Rubens of the world are the exception. By and large, has the redefinition of marriage improved your God-given right to worship God as he commands? Has it improved it or made it better or made it worse? Worse. No worse. question. It's the latter. Latter. Because, man, they are ink blots on a, on a mosaic. 
you, you can't help but notice them. They're so different. Because the real reason that redefinition of marriage was pursued was not so that two same-sex attracted people could visit each other in the hospital or pass on their, their, their hard earnings to their, the children they've adopted. It was, it was in order to impose on the authority that says the way I'm living is wrong. That's why. It was to get the ledger lesser magistrate to shake its fist at God for me. Because if I can't get acceptance from the most powerful force on this planet, then I'll, find, I'll get it from the next most powerful, the state. The government will do it. And if you will not give me the affirmation that government says I'm due, you will be made to care. You can find accommodation with people of vastly different beliefs and values. All but, the, all but one of the 13 colonies had some history in their charter of being established by a religious order. And the one that wasn't Rhode Island was founded as one by a Puritan minister who wanted religious freedom, meaning you could belong to any sect of Christianity and, and be an equal citizen in that state. That wasn't true in the other colonies. If you were Catholic, you weren't going to be able to get to elected office in almost any of them. For example, if you were Jewish, like none of them. They, they, these aren't new debates to them, guys. They, they, they had these amongst themselves. And then they realized that the, the way to settle it ultimately is there's got to be an accountability mechanism higher than man to man. Otherwise, we're going to devolve and might makes right eventually. And that's what's happening now. We're devolving now. We, are, we have removed the divine accountability mechanism. Because see, that same divine accountability mechanism that says there is no other name, that says to me, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other ritual, no other sacrifice, no other thought process, no other make good that you can do to be redeemed in God's sight other than the recognition of the sacrifice that he made for you through his son. The same law that compels that in me also says, though, to me, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? Only the people that believe like I do? Only the people that live like I do? Only the people that agree with me? No. Even that dirty, rotten, half-breed Samaritan is my neighbor. The pagan's my neighbor, the unbeliever. The activist against me is my neighbor. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to love my neighbor as I love myself? Offer others the same accommodations that I would want to have offered to me. Tell them the same truths that I would want to be told to me if it was my soul on the line. You know, so if, if, if I were the stranger in a strange land, if I were the foreigner here, would I want an accommodation for my unique belief system and values and way of living? Even if it was wrong. Yeah. As long as I'm not using that accommodation to impose on your right to live yours. So before we get into freedom and sin in the civic arena, government has, by the way, you know, the Christian church has tried this. From the time of the Holy Roman Empire through the whole history of, of Christendom. We have tried to make government the agent for prosecuting 
sin. It has a terrible track record where this is concerned. Which is why Paul uses a unique word in Romans 13 when he talks about the role of government. He doesn't use the word sin, he uses the word evil. The government is an avenging angel bringing the sword of righteousness against the evil doer. If you use the word sin there, then, I mean, we're going to have government bureaucrats going up and down the street, take the Lord's name in vain. I mean, we're going to get ridiculous. But government's role is to prosecute evil. Meaning when people's sinful behavior now imposes on our God-given rights. And we aren't empowered as individuals to prosecute that ourselves. And if we did, there'd be chaos, vigilanteism, eye for an eye, everything else. Well, Steve, the Bible calls for eye for an eye, not in the context almost any of you believe. It's not literally calling for an eye for an eye. It's advocating what's called restitutional justice, meaning that which you have in wrongly taken away from someone else shall then be, you shall wrongly give, or shall be rightly given back to make restitution. We used to do that in America. Like when you broke the little old lady's window playing baseball in the yard, your old man made you pay for it. Right? That's why we had chain gangs and we used to have you guys that were criminals in orange jumpsuits cleaning highways. We don't do that anymore. Now we have crimes against society. I got to pay my debt to society. You don't know society a damn thing. Society's full of sinners. You owe the one that you did wrong to something. And then you owe the God who you disobeyed, who gave you your rights to be free. You owe him something. You don't owe me anything if you didn't do it to me. Let me stop right there. I want to give you guys a couple of seconds to comment before the break. Yeah, uh, on that last point as well. And this is where our libertarian uh, friends, I, I think, maybe don't, um, don't quite understand uh, or maybe um, are, are not fully aware of, of what the implications of capital L libertarianism is. And it's that word chaos. There is going to be chaos because libertarianism does not take into account human nature. Yep. There's always going to be bad people doing bad things to other bad people. And if we just take into our account and we try to carry out justice that is not ours to carry out, that has been given to uh, that role has been given to the government, if we try to do that ourselves, there will be just there, there will be chaos. There will be anarchy. And that is not that is not godly. God is a god of order and so that one thing in there uh which is uh, which is human nature it's inherently bad uh that's one thing that capital l libertarianism does not take into account and that's one sticking point i think that always always gets us but that was when you, when you first read that i thought that you went exactly the direction that this needs to go what are rights and where do they come from that has to be the conversation and whether we talk about uh, them or marriage uh, and why it works for a size, it doesn't work because it's pragmatic or the rights aren't a pragmatic exercise in the Declaration. They work because they're true. Uh, the Constitution is actually a pragmatic exercise, but those are true. So to the degree that the public square starts to turn on truth, you, 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 it's not about the public square anymore. It's about defending truth. You said it. Progressivism will not tolerate <laughs> a public and open square. So you, libertarianism is largely over and a fraud. Go towards truth. Come back. More Feedback Friday here in a moment here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned.
Hey, I mentioned this earlier. I'm a huge fan of Relief Factor. If you're fighting against inflammation, you know, stop taking those drugs. Give Relief Factor a try. 100% drug-free, even though it's an all-natural formula with four key ingredients that was created by physicians. So these aren't, you know, I, I, I understand we got a conservative audience. You're thinking, I don't know, are these some California granola crunchers? No, these were actual doctors, okay? Actual doctors that put this formula together and said, hey, the body was created to push back on inflammation. So what can we do? What, what natural elements are out there that we can fuse together to give the body some rocket fuel to do exactly that? And I'm going to tell you right now, Relief Factor works. I use this daily. It's a part of my daily regimen. I couldn't recommend it more highly. All right. And you can try it right now. The starter kit for only a dollar a day for three weeks for 20 bucks, man. A dollar a day for three weeks for 20 bucks. What do you have to lose? Except maybe finally hopefully the pain get the starter kit for a dollar a day for three weeks right now at relieffactor.com again that website is relieffactor.com let's get back to feedback friday um jeff payne says we are unhappy because we have replaced the pursuit of happiness with the worship of happiness we are insanely in debt because we have confused the power to print money with the power to create wealth We are strangling ourselves with laws and lawsuits because we have lawless hearts. We have lost our identities because we have ground our identities in our orgasms instead of in our creator. We are slaves of the lies we love because no people who will not know the truth can ever be free. That goes right to what you were just saying, right? Totally. A minute ago. Yeah, an alternate version of reality. Those are all distinctions that... that are 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 major differences and it goes to show what what jeff is pointing out is the thin line and i you know actually i quoted this verse earlier i'll bring it back there's a in, in his one of his epistles uh peter says you my brethren were called to be free or were made to be free i think is what he says but do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful natures is any of the things that Jeff puts in this email as a standalone in a vacuum evil or bad? Is it evil or bad to print money, for a government to print money? No. No. Not, not as a standalone entity, it's not. Are laws and lawsuits as a standalone entity bad? No. No, not in a vacuum, no, not necessarily. Inherently, that's probably right. what I'm looking for. Right. No. Um, is it inherently bad um, to have, to identify with a cause or, or a, a hobby? Is that inherently bad on its own? No. Nope. No. Is an orgasm inherently bad? Well, I hope not because no human being has ever been created on earth except for, uh, the, except for the Messiah without one, right? So orgasms are not inherently bad, right? Um, the problem is, though, we, without recognition of divine accountability, we will take things that are not inherently bad and sometimes are even divinely created and given for our own good or for the purpose of feeling good and being happy. And we will indulge them with our sinful natures and we'll make them our enemies. That's what I hear Jeff talking about here. 
we take these things out of their proper um, jurisdiction, out of their proper context, and we make them bigger than they are, or we make them more powerful than they are. And those are the kinds of things that can ultimately lead to your undoing. That's kind of what I hear Jeff saying. And that's called idol worship. That's called idolatry. Yeah. If you've ever, you've heard us use that fancy stained glass window word in the past, and you're wondering, what does it mean? Well, Jeff Payne's email just defined it for you perfectly. Um, let's go to Eugene, who says, I want you guys to never underestimate the impact you guys have on your viewers and listeners. We all sense you guys' frustration and feel it. Just know when you're standing on the wall looking out at the army of darkness approaching, if you look to your left and your right, you're going to see a lot of us standing with you, so hang in there. Very encouraging, Eugene. Yep. Thank you, man. Really appreciate that. Nathan says, I'd love to hear your thoughts about a theory I've been pondering for a while now. The Democrats, whose fiercest argument to vote for them is that Trump is a racist, nominating Elizabeth Warren or Focahontas, who is the left's version of Republicans nominating a Romney to challenge Obamacare. Of all the nominees, it seems to me that her attacks on the race issue would be the easiest for Trump to rebut. Love the show. Keep up the good work. So what he is saying there is there, the... Is it foolish for them to believe you can accurately prosecute the case? Forget about their own media and because we've talked on this show. There really are two different countries living here now. There's the left America and then there's what's left of America, right? So forget the left America. We know, what the, right? That's, that's, that's not a persuadable audience. The, the persuadable audience... Just as it, you know, Ted Cruz used to have the line when he was running in 2016, there's approximately 8 billion people on planet Earth. And in 2012, we nominated the only guy who could not make a credible case against Obama's weaknesses and gave him his worst idea before he had it, Mitt Romney, right? We couldn't, we couldn't make a credible case against Obamacare with him as a nominee. That's what Nathan is kind of channeling that same notion here. If you're in that persuadable audience, let me ask you guys this question. If you're in that small sliver of persuadable audience, and Howard Schultz announced today the Starbucks CEO, he's not going to run for president. I told you all along, I, I didn't think he was a threat to Democrats. I think he's a threat to Republicans. He's the bulwark candidate, right? He's the David French yeah. candidate. He's the, he's the candidate of suburban voters who can't stand Trump, but think the Democrat Party's way too far left. He would have been a place that might have given them a soft landing. He's not going to run now. So let's say you're in though that group of people. Elizabeth Warren, mistress of cultural appropriation, who has committed one of the most heinous and, and clunky and offensive acts of cultural appropriation in American political history, in her fake claims of Native American heritage that she lied about for decades, including on her AB American Bar Association form and her college entrance forms. Is she really going to make a credible case to those persuadable voters? that Trump is a racist. Your thoughts, Todd? Yes, because in this day and age, uh, the reason they're still persuadable is because they're open to nonsense arguments. Uh, and they keep, they, they, they fancy, the, and they often fancy themselves above the fray or I don't have the time. There's any number of excuses for all this. But if you're walking through this life and you honestly are still persuadable between 
the polls that we have and could go either way. I mean, I I can be persuadable. Persuadable on any one doesn't issue. mean you're 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 tapping out. You're rejecting because you yeah. view them as both bad choices. That's not what you're talking about. Right. But the idea that you can envision yourself yeah. choosing to go yeah. with I, Elizabeth Warren is what you're saying. Or, yeah. or, or Donald Trump. I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to pick one of them. I just don't know when which. That's called insanity. I mean, per, the, the the term persuadable these days in light of the decision that we know we're going to have i mean it's it's nuts the the only decision now is do i do i vote for this crazy person or do i sit out on either side mm-hmm. but there's not there's not we're living in two countries there's not somebody any there, there's no reagan democrats or anything like that if there still are i i mean i i'm sure there are people yeah we know there are people who voted for obama and trump but i, I again these are not they weren't really. I, I don't even know if they were sane decisions, and I don't mean to use that as a pejorative. But again, I but about I, I go back to what I said before. Ultimately, we've we're untethered from reality. We're living, and it goes back to what Jeff said about we're living in our emotions. We are idolatrous at the deepest possible level. So we still think we can do this, and we can't. I've wondered. Studies, demographic studies of the 2016 election have shown upwards of. It could be as many as 6 million Americans voted for Obama at least once, if not twice, and then voted for Trump in 2016. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who that person is, right? What, what did you see in um, America's chickens <sighs> coming home to roost? I mean, I, I, what did you see in that guy from 2008? And then if you like your current health care plan, if you like your doctor, you can keep it, except when you can't. Tell me, I, I'm trying to figure out, how did you go from that to build a wall, um, you know, and tell them sons of bitches to get up and stand for the anthem? How did, how did you make that leap? Two, two or three weeks ago on Fake News or Not, didn't we have some MSNBC or CNN reporter at the Iowa State Fair yeah. interviewing a family who said they that they caucus uh, for caucus Cruz. for Ted Cruz. And they're going to caucus for Kamala, right? And they're going right? to caucus and vote for, for Kamala Harris. This, like... I'm sorry. I, maybe I ran into you in this last caucus cycle. I think you're nuts. And I'll tell you that to your face. Get, get some help. I, I don't understand. That's at least you can, you know what? Maybe with the Obama Trump thing, you can say, you know, I fell for a couple guys with big personalities and, you know, okay. You went from Ted Cruz to Kamala Harris. I'm sorry, man. You should be urine tested at your job site. And I'll tell you that right to your face. You're nuts. You're nuts. That, that's not... That's not lucid. I mean, that, that's... I, it's lucid insanity. Pers- lucid insanity. Persuadable, Steve. Right. Hmm. David Gay has a question. He Actually, he's got a few. I don't understand how a guy like Trump that bragged about draining the swamp could surround himself with some of the worst advisors, like Jared Kushner, and nominate even worse administration personnel, cabinet on down. Plus the fact that in all of our primaries, he endorses all the worst rhino, anti-Trumper senators and congressmen. Well, David, I have several potential answers to your question. But I need to warn you up front. They're all bad. You can start with the answer to your last question. But You're so, insane. So, here's what I'm going to do. I've never done this before in my whole career. If you're listening, David, I'm not going to answer your questions right now. I want you to stop and really think about it. 
I, I, I get you just frustrated, I, you know, and some, you know, sometimes we're frustrated and we, we, with situations and we ask questions that we don't really want the answers to, right? We just kind of want to vent and, and we all do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging you for that at all. I do it too, you know, kind of a rhetorical lament in a way you've heard of rhetorical questions. You're, you're asking a series of them. This is like, you're giving us a rhetorical lament. So David, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to move on from your note now. Because I want you to think long and hard, David, about whether you really want me to answer these questions. Because none of the answers will be comforting. None of them will satisfy you. Okay? And so I just, and it's okay if you just want to eject. And, and it's not like the Democrats aren't giving you enough craziness out there to, to justify voting for this again. All right? So you think about it. And you get back to me. Okay. Occam's razor, probably. Good good rule of thumb for this uh, for this scenario. Occam's razor is always in effect, gentlemen, as you yeah. well know. I need to find something that is short because we are running out of time. Uh, Justin Lopez in Lubbock Justin Lopez in Lubbock, Texas writes. I've never emailed a, a show host before, but wow, you guys have a great show. I was always a conservative. But it's because of uh, shows like, like you guys do that I've done a 180 on my outlook on all things political. And more importantly, it, it has strengthened my faith. I find your show highly educational, informative, and yes, very entertaining, but also refreshing with your commitment to Christian principles and worldview. The segments are top-notch, and I can't wait uh, to become a subscriber to Blaze TV because I definitely want to start hearing more of the overtime. You guys are a part of my family. Even my six-year-old daughter loves to hear the show as well. Thank you, Justin. We appreciate that. And the, your story is why we do this show this way. Why our focus is not beginning with the day's political headlines and working our way down from there. But our show's focus is beginning with the worldviews that are at stake, that are really determining the headlines and what's going on politically and working our way down from there. That's why. Because this is... If, if you relegate what is happening to an ongoing clash between Democrats and Republicans, you've, you've, already, you've already lost. That's the outcome of what is really happening. And more and more, it's not even that. I mean, more and more, you know, the, the list of Republicans who are a discernible difference in office, not what they campaign on, you know, that's why in Rules for Patriots, my first political book, that's why I wrote about the difference between a moral view and a worldview. A moral view, and that, that's why you'll run into Republicans in these debates with Democrats who even sound really convincing that they really believe this stuff. But then when they get into office, they don't act on it. Why? Because the, a worldview is, is your fully integrated value system. How you will interact with the world you're in. A moral view, you can eventually say situationally, you know, it's just not the right time for me to do this right now. It's not, you know. And then, of course, it, it ultimately never becomes the right time because it's never expedient. It's always difficult. I'm going to suspend capitalism yes. in order to save it. A worldview says you're here because it's difficult. You're, you're, you're here to do this because it's hard. And you acknowledge that going into the situation. A moral view says, well, maybe the situation ought to change my morals. 
One last thing before we get out of here. Um, if you, again, are going to get into the real estate market, make sure you find yourself a real estate agent that you can trust. You're going to find them at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is, a, this is an endeavor that was started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates a few years ago because they learned the hard way that you can run into a real estate agent who talks a good game but then doesn't deliver the promised results when they're needed the most. Uh, an agent who's been fully vetted, right? You're going to have these other referral services out there as well. And, and they're really about finding clients for agents. What, what sets realestateagentsitrust.com apart from others, it's about finding an agent who is worthy of having you for a client, someone whose track record has been vetted, whose marketing abilities has been vetted, whose professional courtesies have been vetted. So if you want to go in with an agent you can trust, and why wouldn't you? Simply go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Final thoughts here today. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, I, I would simply echo, um, I was going to say it anyways, the, the, the worldview notion of who we are and uh, what we do. Again, that's not, that's not pragmatism. Uh, it, 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 does, it does work, but it works because it's true. And that's why it's been Steve's call sign for uh, as long as any of you have been listening to him or me before I was on the true. Fear God and tell the truth. It's that important. And we're learning more and more that reality in fact, depends on it. Yeah, there was the, the emailer um, a couple of uh, a couple of emails ago who who gave us some encouragement, which was definitely encouragement. Uh, but they said, you know, can 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 hear the frustration in our voices sometimes, and it's really encouraging to hear listeners say that that they can hear that, and yet they they keep listening. Uh, it's a huge compliment, actually. And it is very encouraging to us, and we do appreciate it. And it, I just, I want to re reiterate that because you watch the montage four out of five times a week. It is, uh, it's it's pretty bleak. Uh, it's pretty bleak. Uh, but we try to do it, and we try to do everything here uh, in an entertaining way, and and hopefully provide some some laughs because you know. Um, we may have drag queen story hour. We may be put in jail because we refuse to let our our uh, premises be used for a gay wedding. Uh, we may uh, be any manner of things, but at the end of the day, we'll still have the jokes, and that's how we try to. That's how we try to. At least I do, anyway. That's how we try to approach things here. On that note, let's end with one last important point. Just got an email from Maestro who wants to know: buy, sell, or hold? Sell. Paul Mall cigarettes or pumpkin spice vapes? Todd. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> <sighs> he says Paul Malls. Paul Malls are better, is what he says. I mean, as soon as you started spite, talking, I yes. knew this was going to be I know, pumpkin spice I know, related. I know. I just got this note a few minutes ago, guys. I'm sure you did. I wanted to end on a high note. Oh, you're high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on some uh, pumpkin spice vapes <laughs> you betcha hey we're gonna stick around and do some overtime for our blaze tv subscribers blaze tv.com slash dace if you'd like to subscribe for the rest of you have a great weekend back at it again on monday until then john 317 this is steve dace on the blaze radio network